All right, with us now, CNN military analyst, retired Air Force Colonel Cedric Layton. Uh, Colonel, I appreciate you being with us. I want to talk about the timing of this attack on Hirosa. Here's some of the video right here. Dozens and dozens of civilians killed, an attack on a grocery store. The timing of this at the very moment when Republicans in the U.S. are talking about blocking new aid to Ukraine. What does that tell you? about how much Vladimir Putin fears, or frankly, does not fear now, international outrage over his actions. Yeah, I think, John, good morning. I think he's looking at this uh, basically as if he's uh, really in control of the stage right now. He is uh, thinking that he can act with impunity. He thinks that he can make any decision, uh, tactical or strategic, uh, without fear of any consequences from the West. And uh, right now he's gambling uh, that the dysfunction in the U.S. Congress is going to carry over into our ability to provide aid to Ukraine. And if we don't provide the air defenses that uh, Vladimir Zelensky has been asking for, that's going to create a real problem for the people of Ukraine, especially during the wintertime. It is really interesting to think about that basically the impact here in Hrosa, that what we're seeing here might be the impact of what's happening in Washington right now, some of the dysfunction in Congress. I want to ask about another development that hasn't received quite as much attention over the last few days, which is that the Russians have pulled most, if not all, of their Black Sea fleet from Sevastopol right here all the way back here across the Black Sea there. We have some satellite imagery where you can see this is the new port, not the new port, but this is where they are now. All these ships lined up in port here. And the effect of this is basically this whole side of the Black Sea, which includes the Straits in Turkey, the Dardanelles and the Bosphorus right now, seeding it in a way to Ukraine, allowing Ukraine to have free passage there. Has Ukraine won this stage of the battle for the Black Sea? Temporarily, yes, and it's really interesting. You're pointing out exactly correctly, John, that uh, this allows for a de facto corridor for Ukraine to export its grain to the rest of the world, to those third world countries or, or uh, uh, sub-Saharan countries that require a lot of uh, Ukrainian foodstuffs. And this is a major deal because uh, what's going to happen here is that it's going to be far more difficult for the Russians to interdict, uh, to interrupt those kinds kinds of shipments. Uh, it's also going to be more difficult for the Russians to mount attacks. It's still possible for them to do that, as demonstrated last night, uh, but they will find it more difficult to mount attacks against places like Odessa and other uh, southern port cities on the Ukrainian coast. No, it is interesting, and you can look at the map here again. What this allows the Ukrainians to do, and what they have been doing, is they've been using these shipping lanes all the way here, hugging the coast and going down through the straits there, and now easier for them with the Russian fleet all the way on that side. I want to bring up one other development that we've seen uh, reportedly over the last few weeks. This is the southern front, the so-called southern front in Ukraine. And it's being discussed that the, the Russians are employing what's called an elastic defense. They have all these lines of trenches around here. What is an elastic defense, Cedric? 
So basically, it's fl uh, flexible defense. What it allows the Russians to do is to pull back forces to a predetermined line. Uh, then they can use that line to mount even greater defensive operations than they had before. Uh, it also allows them to give ground tactically uh, in the hopes that they will regain that ground or be able to potentially even encircle the advancing Ukrainian forces. So it allows the Russians to do several different things, among them, in essence, conserve some of their artillery forces and some of their uh, manpower and personnel. Now, on the other hand, uh, they don't seem to be very good at executing that last part of it, but it does give them the opportunity to, uh, in essence, fight the Ukrainians uh, in a greater war of attrition than they have so far. Colonel Cedric Layton, always great to have you on. Thank you so much for your help this morning. Kate? A new round of deadly Russian attacks in Ukraine. The latest killing a 10-year-old child and his grandmother. Dozens more people were wounded. The missile attack hit residential buildings in Kharkiv early this morning. Just look at that. It also follows a massive drone attack overnight on the port of Odessa. Ukraine says several trucks caught fire when a grain storage facility was hit there. We've also learned more about the massive death toll that is rising once again in one of the deadliest attacks against civilians since the invasion began. More than 50 people were killed in the missile attack in Rosa. That's one of every six residents living there. Dozens were at a cafe to mourn a local soldier, actually, when the building was attacked. And you can see it, I mean, just absolutely destroyed. The anguish can be seen everywhere there. You can see it even in this man's face. And we're told that he's over mourning over his wife's body near the side of the road. CNN's Fred Pleiken, he is live there for us and joins us now. Fred, what are you seeing there? The pictures are just so saddening, but what are you hearing and learning about this attack and what comes now? Yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely tragic, Kate. You know, we were here yesterday, um, shortly after this attack actually happened, and it was a scene of absolute carnage. There was debris uh, everywhere. There were bodies still strewn uh, everywhere. And, and obviously the uh, first responders were trying to come to terms with the situation. But I can show you now, um, as we are sort of a day after this attack took place, you can see that this building has pretty much been reduced just to sort of the supporting walls. There really isn't very much left of it. We can also see that the first responders who we saw here yesterday, the, the um, search and rescue crews, they quickly realized that there was just no hope of finding anybody uh, alive under all of this. So this very quickly turned from a search and rescue to a recovery operation, then obviously, as you can see, a clearing operation as well. If you look over there, that's pretty much what's left of what used to be this uh, cafe and, and supermarket. I would say it was less a cafe, more sort of in a, in a little sort of events venue because you did have that funeral wake for that soldier that was going on. But if you look on top there, you can see there's a, a, what seems to have been a refrigerator for ice cream. So pretty clear that this wasn't any sort of military facility, and that's also what the folks here who are talking to us <clears throat> are telling us as well. They say that at that funeral wake, it was for a soldier, but that soldier had been killed more than a year ago and his body was being repatriated to here. And so the local folks were coming to see and were, were coming to take part in that funeral wake. And that's when this happened. I've been speaking to folks here on the ground, people who live here, 
and they say that pretty much everyone in this village has lost someone in the attack that took place here last night. I've speaking to people uh, who were breaking down and crying because they lost so many of their friends. There's a list going around uh, with people who have uh, who have been killed, and you know pretty much everybody who lives here has found someone who was killed in here. You can see also on the other side over there, there's still a car uh, that was also badly damaged. Um, there's a sort of makeshift memorial uh, uh, back there that's been uh, set up. So this entire village completely devastated. And obviously, the Ukrainian government also extremely angry about all of this. The president of this country, Volodymyr Zelensky, he was in Spain yesterday. And of course, the Ukrainians right now are dealing with some of that uncertainty coming from the United States about the future of weapons deliveries or whether or not there could be delays. And one of the things that Zelensky said is that, look, look at this. And he says one thing that the Ukrainians need more of and can't have enough of is air defense systems. Let's listen in. I believe that today it is impossible to protect people, especially during the winter, except by air defense, to protect people who died absolutely tragically because of this inhuman terrorist attack. Fifty civilians were killed during the funeral. Russia does this every day in the Kharkiv region, and only air defense can help. And so Europe has a lot of its own issues different challenges. But from Ukraine's point of view, the key topic was air defense. So there you have Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, talking specifically about how important air defense was. And of course, he said that this something like this happens every day. And we are in that same region. We had this attack that happened on Thursday, and then obviously overnight that attack that happened there in Kharkiv. So certainly the Ukrainians very concerned about their air defense capabilities, Kate. Fred, thank you so much for the reporting as always.